Hello and welcome to another episode of Eat the Blank Page. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. But before that, I want to remind everyone that word of mouth is the best way that podcasts like this grow and spread to people who will enjoy listening to them. So if you have any friends who are readers, writers, videographers, anyone to do with art, painting, design, creativity, send this their way. See if they enjoy it. If especially if you also enjoy it, which I know you do. Shares are the number one way podcasts like these grow. I will say it a third time if I feel it to be necessary. Does anyone ever else just like feel really stressed? I'm I'm talking really out there, stressed about deadlines and getting your work done. And I know it's such a cliche problem, so I'm I'm sure everyone else has felt this sort of way, but nothing kind of kicks you in the chest more than the question, when are you going to get it done? If it's like a piece of art that you're working on, or in my case, it's a book, when you've been working on it for a while and you're really just trying to make it good and there's been a lot of problems and obstacles, the question, when are you going to get it done, just really kicks you where it hurts. And if you're like me, and you're a people pleaser, and you're a perfectionist, it's kind of a bad combo when that question pops up, because in your own mind, you feel that it should already be done. There's no reason for it not to be done, but of course there's reasons. And of course there's things you could have done better that you can sift through the rubble and pull out like some gleaming gem of insecurity and lies, but that kind of stress really hurts especially when you don't have any other work that is either professionally published or finalized if you're in the earlier stages of what you want to do. Because I have, I have plenty of pieces of writing out and have completed uh, short stories and episode, episodic content, just like short story installations and things like that. But when it comes to Doppler House, it's been this kind of baby of mine for uh, a little bit over a year because it was last October when I started taking it seriously. I had the idea in my head and I would sometimes lay out characters or things like that but last October is when I started really accepting that writing is what I wanted to do and writing this book is what I wanted to do and I took myself seriously and because I took myself seriously I was able to take my work seriously and the people around me noticed this and they started taking me seriously it's one of the best things you can do when you're trying to do something new isn't that you're gonna act like you're the biggest baddest best person at it or you're gonna act like you're super confident about it there's an amazing quote from mike tyson funny enough that says if you want to be a master you have to be a fool and it's only in if you're willing to be a fool can you achieve anything great i'm pretty sure that's what it is but it's that exact mindset that i led into writing this book a year ago and a large part of me thinks it should have been done within the first five months because in a perfect world i could contribute every second of my day that isn't when i'm at work or sleeping to writing but that's not how it turned out and that wasn't realistic to begin with but as I've 
continued to prioritize the writing and the marketing and growing a fan base and collecting notes and learning more about writing because before I started writing the book, I wasn't even a writer. I didn't write anything like that. And it was purely based off of my love for storytelling and my ability to describe things in a certain way that one made sense to people, but two was on a deeper level than most of the people that I talked to that I made the decision, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to do this and it'll lead me to bigger projects and different projects and storyboarding it and the feeling that gave me was just the purest form of ecstasy and fulfillment that I had experienced henceforth or thus forth. I don't want to sound like, I'm like fake British, I think, but whatever it is, it really tapped that nerve in me that said, this is it, this is it, this is it, do this. And was it a good time? Absolutely not. Was it a smart move? I don't know. But it has been a whirlwind of emotions and feelings and struggle and growth that I'm, even if I were to stop right now, I would be grateful for, but there's no way I'm stopping now. But yeah, coming back to when you have that mindset of everything needs to be perfect and this should have been done already and that stress that builds up, someone just like, it, it becomes a, a sensitive spot in your psyche where it's it's the thing you live for the most out of anything else and someone else wants to question you on it. it that It's something that evokes a kind of fire that makes me want to do nothing but the absolute best possible work I can. And I might be taking it over seriously, but I think what I needed more than anything else lately was that kind of resentfulness. There's a lot of different ways to pull out your productivity and your um, potential, if that's a good way, to, if that's a good way to say it. One of the things I've noticed among creative people is that a lot of the time it is a resentful mindset of I'm going to show this person that I can do this or I was embarrassed here so I'm going to work 10 times harder there. I'm going to do this because of the feeling I have right now and how much I want it to just die. I want a proof that this feeling is ridiculous and uncalled for to the degree that no one even remembers what's happening right now and all they can think about is what I'm about to do. It's that kind of serious, how about this, that I see it a lot in creative people. I've seen it in, I believe his name is Armando. I, I don't want to say Torres, but that's the name coming up to me. But Armando from the RT podcast, he talked about that the other week where resentful energy just came comes out of you and it makes you work like 10 times harder. But definitely feeling a lot of that. The last time I felt it, funny enough, is when I got bullied out of theater. And at the time, I don't know what the right call was. I do, well, now I don't know what the right call was, but at the time I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. Here's the story. I did high school theater when I was in high school, obviously. But 
it was my junior year and I had been doing shows since sixth grade. And this was like an early form of me appreciating the stage and loving a love of storytelling and characters and, you know, entertaining people. Where when I came into the high school, because my high school is small, so seventh and eighth graders, junior high kids, are able to try out for the high school shows and the high school choir and all that stuff. And I went seventh grade in with no expectation. My family is a sports family, but they're very, very supportive in whatever I chose to do, which I'm very happy about. But I went into it and I started getting lead roles and I started getting named characters, but never the the up, up in front, this is the main character of the entire story or the entire show. So while I had my my share of limelight, I was always either the villain or the funny side character or the romantic character who's like also on the side. I was never the main character, which I was never bitter about. I loved the the process of practicing and performing on shows and making people laugh. And as long as I could go and do that, I was very, very happy. But regardless... I, I would always get these lead roles. But when I finally got my first main character was in my junior year, my last year, where I played Randall McMurphy in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And it was a monster to overcome. I, I had so many lines and the script was so thick and there were so many deep emotions that I learned the entire book. It was about 200 pages packed to the brim with text and I learned the entire script and a month later I had forgotten all of it because I, I just couldn't keep it in my head and that experience wasn't bad it because it was a small cast no one really cares about the dramas everyone was very big on the musicals when the musical came it was Greece. oh my gosh I love Greece, and I've loved Greece ever since I was a kid I used to watch with my mother and I would I would sing the songs and I, I thought Sandy was just a dime piece but we were doing Grease. Perfect. I would love to be the guy who sings Beauty School Dropout. That's exactly who I wanted to do or who I wanted to play because I liked the one song and I, it was going to be fun again. And, you know, a wop ba ba doo ba ba wop bamboo. You know what I mean? It's that was what I was excited for. But when I got to the board where they showed all the people and who got what, uh, the cast list, I should say. I, I don't know why I'm acting like I don't know what the name is. All I heard was, how did he get that? That's so, that's ridiculous. It should have been blank. It should have been blank. It should have been this. Why am I this? Why is Victor Danny Zuko? And people who I thought were my friends turned to me disgust. I got messages on Instagram. I got people posting on Snapchat. And they're like mainstream Instagram trashing the choices i had people on the instagram post of the cast list trashing my the choice to cast me as the lead which didn't feel good one because i hadn't felt anything like that before because i had always side skirted the major drama and i was never really in the drama and there wasn't really any drama to begin with there wasn't any there it wasn't clicky yet but now it was because the new kids had come in and i don't know if we as the upperclassmen didn't do a good enough job of keeping tabs on the climate of everything, but the grade above me didn't really care and the grade above them tried their best, but it was too much slack to pick up 
and everyone ended up hating me for no reason. I, I always tried to make sure all the younger kids were included, tried to help other people with certain acting cues, and uh, I would always help out with getting food or moving things around. I went to the set constructions. I just loved theater in the environment, and then it happened, and everything changed. No one talked to me anymore. I was always left by myself. When I would do scenes with people, they they looked like they were in pain, like they couldn't look at me. And after the initial experience with the cast list, I just said, you know what? I'm going to be the best Danny Zuko anyone's ever seen in their life. And the director told us, we don't want a rebranding of the movie. Be the character you think it is, not who you know it to be, and it's going to be perfect. And I said, bet. I practiced the sandy every day. I can't do it as good as I used to, but I did. I learned my script two weeks into production of a, of a four or five month production show where people are usually waiting until the last minute to learn their entire book. I learned the entire script. I was correcting people's cues. I bought my own costume for the uh, the costume director. I got everything together. I learned all of my dances faster than everyone else. I learned the music faster than everyone else. I practiced singing more than everyone else. My lines were down, and I was doing track and field at the time. I was just obsessed with doing as well as I could. And the event that came out of it was that I stopped doing theater, and the next year I just didn't do anything at all. I quit choir, I quit stage crew, I quit the shows, I quit everything to do with entertainment and the arts and all of that. And, you know, the next year, COVID hit, 2020, all that jazz. But that sort of feeling that I had is resurfacing and a part of me wants to go, hey, you don't have to feel this way. You know, peace and tranquility is where we should be at right now all this stuff, and more and more of me just throughout the day is coming to grips with the fact that I am angry, that more people don't listen to the podcast, that I'm not finished with my book, that I don't do enough marketing, that I don't put out enough shorts, and I'm, I feel that, that flaming horse beneath me just sprinting and I'm so ready for this ride. I am so ready to prove everyone wrong. I got called a sandwich maker the other day. I told someone I was, I, I'm a writer and they said, no, you're a sandwich maker. And that hurt. And the more I self-analyze the things I try to incorporate into my life and the practices I try to preach to people, the mindsets I try to achieve, the more I realize that I'm not aiming for anything. I'm... I'm randomly assigning traits and mindsets under categories of good and bad. And anytime you start do, anytime you start hearing the terms good and bad, think about it. Think about what's happening. Really think about it. Because if someone's telling you something's good or something's bad, they're imposing an opinion onto you. You are not making an opinion. You are imposing, you're being imposed upon. And they're controlling you by saying it's good or bad. Think about it. Just, just see those words and have a trigger in your mind that goes, alert, alert, BS detected. So what I found by 
just watching how I conducted myself within my own mind was that I'm not aiming for anything. So, you know, when you don't have a port to sail to, no wind is favorable. So I was making improvements, I thought, and I was making good progress in certain mindsets and certain ways of thinking, but I had never taken the time to actually think about exactly who I wanted to be. And in every way, I just want to be myself, but I want to be the best possible version of myself. You know, do I want to be someone kind? Do I want to be someone strong and tough and confident? Do I want to be someone who can handle things, who runs away from things? Who do I want to be? What's good and what's bad? And it's been a lot of reflective conversations with myself regarding that. And it's a good thing to question what's going on and constantly be trying to improve. But I'm discovering a little rule that says a supplemented life a, a, con- a continuously supplemented life leads to an unimpressive reality. And that's something I, I came up with myself that says if I'm constantly in a state of overanalyzing every problem and every situation and every minute of my day to be the best possible version of itself, I'm, I'm, I'm supplementing my own thinking and my own life through sheer willpower and mental processing. What that'll lead to what that leads to is when I stop doing that, I'm not who I want to be anymore. It's I'm not affecting my base character. I'm not affecting my foundations at all because I'm I'm supplementing my thinking. You know, I'm not really learning lessons. There's a different there's a deep difference between knowing something and understanding something. And I feel lately I've known plenty of things, but my world gets turned upside down the second I understand something. And I go, oh, that's what that is. And it is an unmistakable feeling. So if you're ever going, hey, I don't know if I know this or I don't know if I understand this or if I just know this. It, when you get hit with that wave of, oh my God, that's when you know you understand something. And if you haven't had that with anything, then you know those things, but you don't understand them. Blind, uh, a man with a blindfold on his face that walks home got lucky. When you're on the right road, but you're blindly going forward, you're lucky. It's not because you're someone who's actually going down the right path. It's not because you know where you're going. It's not because you looked at all the options and you decided this one is going to be the one for you and you understand why it's the good path and you understand all the things on the bad path. You are lucky and you are being you're you're walking home blindfold. It's not the same thing as if you had taken it off and you and you came came to witness all of life and you accepted all of life and you saw the bad road and you saw the good path and you understood how tough it was. But that's what supplementation is when you're force feeding yourself these mindsets and these rules constantly. You end up walking down the right road with a blindfold on. And what I've been trying to do lately is find times in my day where it's appropriate to be, I, I guess you can call it rewiring or reinstating um, mindsets or lessons or rules upon myself that help out with my day to day, but also finding enough time to give myself to just be me 
and to not overanalyze my instincts and to not overthink how long something's going to take and how much time to waste on something else. And when I catch myself doing that, I try to calm down and I try to just let things go because at the end of the day, I feel like I'm trying to control more than I'm ever going to be able to control. And maybe that's something you guys can relate to because for the past couple of days, I've been doing this. I've been letting go at certain points of the day and it is the most freeing thing. I, I, I gotta tell you, it's like, it feels like you're chained up when it's happening, when you're going through that mindset of, okay, I have 30 minutes to do this, and then I have an hour to do this, and then I should be doing this right now, but if I do this before that, then I'm not going to have enough time for that, and this is going to take exactly 15 minutes, and just round and round you go, and then, uh-oh, you wasted half an hour planning an hour-long thing instead of just going the flow. And if you have the instinct to do something, do not second guess yourself on it because that's who you are. I have this thing where I like to make sure my spaces are clean, but I, I always found that I'd hiccup myself or I would just start to stall, like how a computer would freeze. My, that's what I would have in my head because I'd go, huh, I want to clean my desk. And it makes me feel bad to look at my desk dirty. And then... I would focus on the negative feeling that I would have that I'm having about my dirty desk and not on the initial instinct to clean it because of the bad feeling. I'm focusing on the bad feeling. There's I watched this one guy, TD Jakes. He has an amazing video on fighting for the territory in the sense of like fighting for your influence, what you're trying to get done, the people you know, the place that you live all these things and protecting them from the devil. He's, you know, he's a bishop. And I'll be putting that in the description below, but it's an amazing watch. And I, I've been watching it since freshman year of high school. So what was that four? And then, geez, eight years now. Okay. Um, wow. So I'm watching it for eight years and I still listen to it and I still put things together that I, I hadn't before. And I'm still taking out lessons from it. But more than anything, he talks about how when pain gets bad, we can't think straight and it can get to a point where even he didn't see the point in the pain of the stories that he's telling from the Bible. And the conclusion that he comes to or that he preaches and comes to is that the point of the pain is for the miracle, right? So the story that he's talking about is when uh, Jesus goes to Gadarenes to influence change because there's like seven provinces that are all very similarly suited. So he goes across um, an ocean or something in a boat and the boat encounters a storm and then Jesus wakes up, rebukes the storm, clear skies just from waking up. And when he lands on Gadarenes, this really mangled, hairy guy shows up and runs to Jesus and his disciples, and he starts worshiping at the feet of Jesus. But the thing is that no one, not every one of his disciples knew who Jesus was at the time. They weren't there at the French birth. They weren't there for any of the miracles. And so they knew that, that this guy, this nasty, gnarled up guy, was doing the right thing, 
but there was something wrong. He calls Jesus son of God before most of the disciples know who he is. And the whole point of all of that was that when Jesus and this guy are done talking, there's all this demonic influence on the hairy, gnarled guy, and Jesus casts him out into a herd of swine, and then all of the pigs run down the hill into the lake and drown. And then the city of Gadarenes comes out to see Jesus. And he repeats that part a lot. And it's because it's it's talking about that idea that the pain is there for the miracle to happen. And that the you're under attack for a reason. There's a reason that you're going through things right now for there to be something better that happens. Now, I know this got really religious really fast, but this isn't a religious podcast. It's just talking about the one the one thing I, I learned through that, you know, the pain's there for a reason. And when the pain gets bad, it can be very hard to see straight and see down the barrel and go, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to try harder. Or the even more difficult thing to do is I'm going to try less and I'm going to relax and I'm going to let go of my assumed control over the situation. And I'm going to let the things that I can control be the things I control and the things I can't be the things that I can't. But the the story I just told with all of the heaven and hell stuff is that there's a rule that I like to share with people as much as I possibly can. Is that you can learn something from anyone dash the most unlikely of circumstances. Where if you know how to look at something and you know how to read a problem or you know how to view someone else who knows what you do, you can learn from them. But more than anything, you can learn from different religions, schools of thought, different types of people, different ways of life. All experience can teach lesson. And through experience is how we gain wisdom and share findings of different schools of thought like stoicism and in more of a negative sense cynicalism if you're open to different ideas different ways of life different experiences and you know just different lessons but you have enough of a hold on your core beliefs that you're not manipulated by them i think you can work wonders with how much you can actually learn and develop through just observing others and going to talks and things like that when it comes to life lesson, I think keeping your ears open and your eyes open for stories and situations and the lessons that they bring to then apply to your own life can be very beneficial. But that kind of ties back to what we were talking about earlier, where you can know something, but you don't understand something. So I can know that it hurts to get punched in the face. But until someone actually punches me as hard as they can in the face, I don't know what that's like. Point blank, period. And that can apply to everyone. I thought I knew exactly how to drive. And then I drove and I was like, huh, whoa. And it was a lot of getting used to it. And so I knew how to drive, but I didn't understand what driving was like. Just like how I knew how writing a book was going to go, but I didn't understand it until I went through it. It's There's a lot of those lessons in life and a lot of those situations in life where 
if you just pay attention, you can glean a lot from what happens. And it might not always be the case, but it is sometimes. And I, I would definitely try to pick and choose and find those because wisdom is an amazing thing. And you can just based off of your own imagination, you can learn different things. And from these different things, they can compound into greater lessons and different paths. If you're an artist and you discover a new art style and you practice that, maybe the way they connect their lines on whatever program or even just pen and paper, how one artist's style draws eyes, you can incorporate to your style to improve it or change it up or get across a new emotion. It's the exact same process. It's just different colored pieces. And really how to make use of that rule that you can learn something from anything is learn how to be, not learn how to be, but like be imaginative enough and be open enough to apply situations that aren't within your domain to your domain and how those lessons can help you further your own work. It's it's a whole thing that I, I enjoy talking about, but it's also something that can be um, challenging. And then you get into the situation I talked about earlier with constantly evaluating and all that kind of stuff. But with that therapy session out of the way, I think it's time for today's page eater prompt. Today's page reader prompt is a little odd. I think I found a good balance of what to give you guys. So uh, yeah, here it is. There's a washing machine that's found to be magical. Whenever you place clothes inside and have them washed, the clothes always come out having some sort of power. A shirt makes you grow a foot taller. A pair of socks turns you invisible. One day, a young boy or a young girl is forcibly shoved into the washing machine and the assailant turns on a cycle. And when the young man or woman emerges, they have magical power. What happens next? There you go. That's the beta reader prompt. You'd think I know how to end these off by now, but I still don't. So hopefully you guys have a lot of fun with that one over on the TikTok. If you go over to the TikTok, I'll have something also called the Magic Washing Machine, or I'll have a video called Pagey to Prompt, Episode 11, The Magical Washing Machine. Time for news. There, There is no news. So, thank you for joining me today. Unexpected topic. Honestly, for today's episode, I was not expecting to go on a whole tangent and kind of just get through a lot of emotions today. But, you know, sometimes that's what we need to do. And hopefully you guys are able to glean some uh, some insightful wisdom or maybe laugh at how laugh at how crazy things are going for me right now. But regardless, I do hope you enjoyed and I hope you share this podcast with any other friends of yours that are writers or authors or painters, anyone creative, this is the podcast for them. Constantly talking about inspiration, trying new things, and pursuing passions 
so hopefully we don't end up in an Orwellian nightmare more so than we already have. But I want to thank you for joining me for this long and for joining me today in general. Your support is much appreciated. I check those stats every day, so I definitely see if you're here. And uh, yeah, I wanted to I honestly thank you. Thank you. I, it just means the world that you would give me the time of day. So I appreciate it. And I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful day. This is Victor Rowe signing out. Goodbye. Thank you.